0: We are in a series called The Radical Teachings of Jesus. Would you turn that person next to you and say, Radical? Come on, turn the other person and say, Radical on the other side of you. It's just a good 80s word, radical, just radical. And so we started this series from the premise of John chapter 8 and verse 31. John chapter 8 and verse 31 is kind of our uh, key scripture for the series. Uh, uh, it says it like this, if you hold to my teachings, this is Jesus speaking, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Um, The Passion uh, paraphrases that in in chapter uh, 8 and 31, says it like this, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. So Jesus qualifies here what a Christian is, uh, a follower of his. There, There are those who actually obey his teachings. That would then say, that and what he's insinuating here is, if you don't obey his teachings, that you're not really his disciples. And much of the confusion that we have in the world today is, what's a Christian? What's not a Christian? Jesus qualifies it real quick, clearly here in John chapter eight, verse thirty-one. It's real simple. If you follow my teachings, you're mine. If you don't follow my teachings, you're not mine. And uh, and we see that all throughout Scripture. So what we decided to do was in this series. Well, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a real Christian. So I want to know what Jesus taught. So we kind of began to extract some of his key teachings. Especially the radical teachings, those that would go against what we think is natural, maybe even right. Kind of like, oh wow, are you serious? That's what he taught? Things that we may have heard if we grew up in church, but necessarily don't live by. And Jesus is asking us not only to know the teachings, but to obey them, to live by them. So last week we looked at his Sermon on the Mount which was Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, where he, he taught all these people who began to follow him. He set them all down the mountain. And it's basically his, his baseline teachings. And he said to them, you know, like about, you know, how to engage with one another. And then he, at the end of it, he said, um, now let me just qualify who are mine. He said, those who know me. And he qualified that really Christianity is about a commitment to the relationship with him. Sometimes you've been taught that Christianity is about going to church. Going to church is good, but cr- going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than eating donuts make you a police officer. What? What? Why? Well, Slip that in. Where did that come from? And That's uh, a little sucker punch. And, uh, and and what Jesus is teaching us is that a commitment with him is what the real thing is all about. Not about good and bad, or do's or don'ts. And the more I get into relationship with him, the more I become like him. The more I become like him, the more I do what he did. And so, so many people are trying to do religious duties and trying to be good and not be bad. And they think that that will make them have a good relationship with Jesus or get them into heaven. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you got it reversed. You got the cart in front of the horse. You got, to, you got the script flipped. You got to get it back in the right order. Come into a relationship with me. Continue to develop a relationship with me by committing to the relationship through good or bad, through whether you agree or disagree. Stay in the relationship with me, and I then will take presence in your life, and you'll start emulating me and start acting like me. And so that was kind of where we started. Today, in today's teaching, um, I'd like to open up the teaching with a little bit of a, of a survey. Kind of get your help. Uh, I don't want to call it a game. I want to call it more of a survey. And we're going to call this game or this survey, How Much Do You Love Me? Everybody say, how much do you love me? So I'm going to need your help. I'm going to pr- present a couple characters. And what I've created here is, um, is a love scale. This is a love scale. So this down here in the red, that means, yeah, I don't love them at all. I hate them. And this over here, is, ah, I can do with or without them. And over here in the green, is, I love them. Yes, I like them. And the only way I can have your help in this, if you will, uh, engagement is I need your, your voice. A- a- if I present a character that you really love, I need you to represent yourself and whoever else by yelling, yes, I love them. Yes, yes, yes. And if you really don't like them, then boo, 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 I don't really know them. All right, so let's start. Those are the instructions. Let's start with our first character. So here's our first character. How much do you like this guy right here? Huh? Okay. Here? No? Right about here? Right here? You want it back over here more? You want it back over here? Make him out. Right, here? right here? Oh, you like him right there? How much? Right about here? That sounds about right. Okay, good. So, oh wow, I'm surprised how much you guys love a giant rat. That's amazing and how much money he takes from you. That's, that's an awesome plan. All right, how about this next one real quick? We'll get the next one. How about this guy right here? All right, and how about this guy? How much do you love this guy? You know what this is? Some of you are like, he's just a misunderstood soul. If you had what he had in your childhood, you would be messed up too. All right, I think you landed somewhere right about here. All right, all right. How about that one right there? Okay. How about this next one? You may take you a second to recognizing because he normally you can't see his face unless it's on afterwards on uh, on the ESPN highlights. How about this guy right here? Do you know Dallas quarterback? Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Dax. I can't get it. Okay, let me hear you. Let me say. Whoa! I am dumbfounded that we got way too many Patriot fans in our congregation. What happened? Wow, that break. I don't know what to do with that. That was weird. Okay. All right, here we go. How about this next one right here? Let's see. How about this guy right here? Anybody? <laughs> That's where he goes, right there. Tell you who want. Thank you, guys. What I'm trying to establish is that each and every one of us have a love scale. We really do. Each and every one of us have people that we're like, no, no, they're amazing. How Darth Vader ended up here, he is like the quintessential bad guy in all the Star Wars. But what's happened is they're newer bad guys, but none of you older people know who they are. So, young people, I didn't bring those guys out. Sorry. Um, But we all recognize this guy. But uh, each and every one of us have this scale. We have this scale where we think, you know, uh, you know what, this person's not as bad as you think, guys. I know them. And the other of us is like, no, no, they are Satan. They are Satan incarnate and they deserve to die. And each and every one of us have this scale. And what I want to do, first and foremost, is just by getting you to clap and yell, you, know, you could feel like, like, I feel this way. And no, no, I feel this way. And I don't really care. Y'all do what you want to do. That was back and forth with the attitudes. But each and every one of us have a scale, we have a love scale. We have a love scale, and it's based on what we think is right and justice and injustice and what that person was supposed to do that you didn't think they, they did. And today's teaching, which is crazy considering what my family has been through the last few weeks, today's teaching is comes from, from the book of Luke and from the book of Matthew, Love Your Enemies is the title of today's teaching that Jesus gave, which is crazy because when we started out planning out our series months ago, this teaching fell right here unbeknownst to me. So as I'm working through some things this last week, I'm like, Jesus, Jesus, you're trying to help me do something here. And so as we jump in, here's our key passage. Jesus, again, on the Sermon on the Mount, he's in front of all of these people. He's just just gathered and recruited his disciples. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, this is what he says. He says, you've heard it said. So the popular teaching of the time, the cultural rightness, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, I'm flipping the script, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. He says, well, I'm, I'm flipping the script on that. He's saying, I, I, my teaching is different. You've heard it said, love your neighbor. Be good to your friend. Love them. And it's, it's okay. You can hate your enemies because they deserve to be hated. He said, but I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for those who actually persecute you. This goes against our nature even today. Each and every one of us have this justice scale. We have this love scale. We believe that certain people should, should, should be burned forever. Uh, An ex-husband, that person who molested you, that person who did everything they could to make sure you failed, we have a scale. We have the scale that we put them on. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm actually turning the scale upside down, and I'm telling you to love even your enemy. It's crazy. And that doesn't come natural for us. You think about what comes natural for you. Each and every one of us, we want to be on people's scale that everyone loves us, And, and, and if they just knew us and understood us better, they would love us. Uh, but at the same time, your it's about bitterness, Somebody's scale. Every one of us in this room. We're over here on somebody's scale. When people pray at church about bitterness, your faces are coming up in some of these people's lives in that moment. Just remember that. Just like you've got people that have come up in your heart. And I, it, and as a, as, a, as a human, as a person who lives in our generation, we all struggle. We all struggle to love and to be kind and to forgive our enemies. In fact, we all live on a little bit different... St- I, I'll tell you how hypocritical we are. And I, I, I'm being... Uh, honest about myself. You, you know those moments on, you know, all of our interstates seem like they're always under construction. You know that moment where it's three lanes on, you know, or four lanes on I 20 or, you know, all the work they've been doing on 67. And you know that, you know that moment where you see the sign and it says, this lane is ending ahead, right? And people are starting to get over. But you think, I go way up ahead and then throw my blinker on and get over. And if they're good, sweet people, they'll let me in. They should let me in. I'm running late. It's only right. Come on, you know that. And then we do that. We go flying past everyone. They get right at the end. We've run out of road. Uh, the construction's happening. And then we throw on our blinker and get mad that no one will let us in. And then finally someone lets us in. We say, that no, that's a good person right there. On the other hand, when we've decided I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stand here in this lane and get in line and someone flies around us and puts on our blinker on their blinker. What do we do? Oh heck, no. No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> oh, riding that bumper the whole way. And they're trying to squeeze over and you're not giving an inch not letting you. We're so hypocritical with this thing. We want people to be loving and forgiving with us and understand our motives, but yet we don't do the same. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's confronting it, and that's why we're calling it a radical teaching. It's radical. And it's radical to these guys. In fact, The book of Luke chapter 6, Luke actually records his teaching with a little bit more detail on this topic. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 27, look what he says. He says, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking from, uh, uh, taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you, and if anyone takes... What belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do unto you are the golden rule, that last piece. And, and, and this is an amazing teaching. And the reason why, you got to understand, understand his audience. Jesus is a Jew speaking to Jews. You got to understand the history and the moment that they're in. So he's sitting on a, on a mountainside. If you're a little, little hillside, you can picture the little grass flowing and then and the wind blowing through their hair. And Jesus is like, you guys, you've seen so many miracles. Sit down, I want to teach you some things. And he goes into this, love your enemies. Now, you have to understand who the enemies of the Jews are. They're the Romans. For, throughout the last three, 400 years, Jews have been conquered. They have been paraded into, around. They've been kidnapped and taken to other places as a people group. They've tried to come back, they've been dispersed, they, tried. they finally got a little bit of life going. The Romans allow them to, mm, you can have your little religious stuff and that kind of stuff, but we're still the boss. The Romans are dominating them. In fact, you know, uh, when Jesus teaches, you know, if someone asks you to go to a mile, go two miles, what he's referring to is there was Roman law. that if a Roman soldier came walking through your village, or you're out in the field, you know, cutting the grass. He could stop you, demand you, because, again, they were the rulers. They had conquered the Jews. They allowed them to continue doing their normal life, and they taxed them, and they built their roads with them, and all these kind of things, but they still were subservient. You want to talk about, see, you don't even grasp that. We're we're, we're Americans. Ain't nobody tell us what to do. We do what we want to do, how we want on do And you've never lived under this kind of regime where, I mean, when you visit India, they still have some of that caste system where, I'm sorry, you were born into a lower-level family. Or if you go into a a, a country with a dictator and communism and all these different places, the Chinese people, they don't have any real rights, if you will, in some of these Muslim countries and some of these places over the years where they literally dictate to the people, you were nothing, you were a nobody, and you didn't get to come up to this level unless you were born into it. And this is the season in which these people are living, and Jesus is confronted running them on that. And these Romans literally could say, grab you and say, "Okay, carry my stuff for a mile." And by law, you had to. But Jesus in teaching them said, "Don't just carry a mile, carry it 2 miles." They asked for your cloak? They asked for your shirt? Man, look, ask for your jacket, giving you your shirt too. He says, "Go beyond that." This is what he's teaching, and he's telling them to do that, and he's referencing He's referencing enemies. Well the first enemy that comes to their mind is the Roman, the Romans who dictate and dominate their lives, who tax them unfairly. And the Romans don't just tax them. They have all their little military militia dry, uh, riding around. Can you imagine in the United States, if there were hundreds of people that are part of the, gu- Let, let's, let's, let's say that chi- the Chinese uh, come and they take us over. They allow us to continue as Americans, have our little religious stuff, but anytime they want to step in, they can shut down anything. And they drive around in their tanks. And if there's any kind of disruption, they just, they just kill everybody. They don't even have to worry about it. And that's what the Romans, the power that they have. The Romans then are taxing the Jews, but here's how they do it. They don't get their own hands dirty. They hire it out. They subcontract it to Jews to tax the people. And the only way they get paid is if they can take whatever they want from the people. They don't care. We just want this much money. You go get the money from your people, and you can collect however much you want. So these tax collectors are super hated because they are are working for the Romans, benefiting, getting rich off the Romans' taxation, and they're they're overtaxing the people. And so you got this whole dynamic going. And Jesus says, I tell you a new teaching. You've heard it said, the culture you live in is to hate your enemies. Love your neighbors, but I tell you, love your enemies. Love those who take advantage of you. Love those who are prejudiced against you. We'll get into this here in a second, how he actually plays that out in in a storyline about the Good Samaritan. And he goes into this teaching. Each and every one of us in this room have those people who we would call enemies. Each and every one of us have those people that we would say, you know, work against us. He starts with this first Teaching, he gives us kind of, if you will, he gives us kind of four points. He gives us four steps. I'm calling it to dealing with our enemies. Number one, love. Love your enemies. This word love is a, is an extract from the word agape, and and what what he's talking about is to, it's the kind of love that takes responsibility, that actually cares. He's saying, I need you to care for your enemies. I need you. To, I need you. I need you to actually change your attitude about them. I, I need you to, to give undeserving grace to them. They don't deserve it. That's the love he's talking about. He's not talking about passionate love. He's not talking about intimacy. He, he, he's, he's talking about having grace and giving, and giving concession, even though they don't deserve it. That's what he's talking about. It's that form of the word love. He says, I want you to give that to your enemies. This word enemies in the original Greek is "ekthos." And Ekthos, uh, you and I, if we sit around thinking about it, we'd be like, I don't really have that many enemies. I don't really, because when we use the word in English, enemies, we're thinking like Hitler, uh, you know, we're thinking like, you know, child molester, you know, like I don't really know anybody like that, something like that. But that's not the word actually in the original Greek. The understanding is those who try to take advantage of you, those who mistreat you, those, I would put it in perspective like this, that guy at work who never will let you advance, uh, that, that person in your family that's always posting against you. That, that, that person who always stirs up mess and creates drama. That's more the picture of who he's talking about. He's talking about our everyday frustrating folks in our life. People who we cannot stand. That we would maybe not put on the, uh, I, we definitely wouldn't put them here. And we might would say, oh, you're talking about Hitler? No, I don't hate them that much. But they ride up in here somewhere for show. That's who he's talking about when he says, love your enemies. He says, love them. He says, literally, I need you to care about them. Now, I want to qualify this. Jesus isn't telling us to support their wickedness. we got to get that clear. For example, how do you love a snake? How do you love a porcupine? Well, you don't hug it. Right? So he's not telling you and me to say, you know, that person who molested you, you need to be friends with them." No, that's not what he's saying. How would you love someone who's done something horribly wrong to you? There are people in my life, I love them so much, and the best way to love them is for us not to be together. That's the best way to love them. I, 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 I'm, I'm kind, I'm gracious with them, but it's just not good for us to be together. Uh, what they've done, if, if someone who, who, who maybe raped you or, 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 or really uh, some toxic environment, works. he's not telling you to say, woo. He's not at all. He asked us to love them. What does love look like in reference to that relationship, to that individual? What does that look like? And for some of us, love is to say, listen, I, 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 I won't speak evil against you. I, I'm not out to hurt you. I, I forgive you and I release you, but we're not friends. We're not friends, and we're not going to be friends. It's just not going to happen. That's not bitterness. That's not hatred. I love you so much that the best thing I could do is just extract myself from, from this relationship. Or I need to protect by doing this, this, and this. He tells us to love them. Then he gives us a second teaching in this, and he says, do good. Do good to those who hate you. Do good to these guys. He said, do good. So, so he actually brings us into an action form. Do good. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's not, so, here, here's the thing you understand. It's about you and I providing what is needed for our enemies to see Jesus. He's trying to shift our mentality. So when you do good to someone who's done you wrong, what, what, what you're doing is saying, you know what, Jesus is my Lord, and you don't have control over me. You don't dictate what I do and don't do in my life. I'm able to see myself above the situation because I'm in the hands of God. And I know that he will take care of me and care, bless me and watch out for me, even though you have done me wrong. I, I, there, years ago, I was a youth minister back in Louisiana, and I had a real large youth ministry, hundreds of young people. And I had this one kid, this one demon, I mean, sweet little dude. <laughs> He's a demon dude, I'm telling you. And this kid was about 18 years old, 17 years old, excuse me. And, uh, and he was a senior in high school. And man, this kid was, he was a little white thug, little dude, always causing mess. And, you know, we'd all be in the middle of worship, all the young people watching him. And if he, didn't, if he did like this, they all did like this. And, 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 and man, that dude started messing around with all the girls in the youth ministry. He started having sex with different ones. And I was trying my hardest to figure out how to get rid of this kid. He was he was a devil. He was a, he was a fox in the hen house. I would go to the pastor and I'd say listen I need to kick this kid out of the church and he said well no the gospel works. The gospel works. Now this guy's a devil. He needs to be removed. Da 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 da, da. And I couldn't he was real slimy. I couldn't catch him on some things and different things like this and I just couldn't stand this kid. And then I came across this teaching. And I was like you got to be kidding me. How am I going to do good to this little demon? And so I started watching him, and he'd gotten in a lot of trouble. He started, um, he was real good at graffiti. Uh, we called it tagging in those days, so he started tagging buildings and stuff. And he was, he was, and I overheard some people talking about it, and so I went to him after one of the youth services. Hey, hey, man, can I talk to you? He's like, what? I was like, listen, I want to show you something. I brought him into our, we had this big kind of game room, youth room kind of thing. I said, see this wall right here? I said, I hear you're pretty good at graffiti. No, I don't know what you're talking about. No, 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 listen, it's okay. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I said, listen, I'd like you to graffiti this whole wall. I said, Not, don't put the normal words that you put on buildings. I just, like maybe Holy Spirit or something like that. And he was like, uh, he's like, really? I was like, yeah. And he goes, how do you know I'm good at this? I said, well, I know things. I know things. I can see in you, <laughs> you know? And uh, I said, i tell you what. I said, I'll buy the paint. You buy the paint? It's going to be like $300. I said, I'll buy the paint. But, but we got to settle on the words. I need the word Holy Spirit. Jesus oh yeah yeah I'll do it I'll do it right I'll do it right and so I went and bought the paint now this kid never showed up on time for anything he's a typical little thug wannabe little dude which was crazy he had a good mom and dad he's just crazy anyway and so he and again he's done messed up more girls in our youth ministry I wanted to kill this kid I just wanted to hurt him really bad and uh and and here I am having this engagement so I told him meet me Monday morning and uh and and, and I'll have the paint and stuff I'll meet you at nine that kid ain't never showed up on time for nothing. I got there just a little bit after nine. He had been waiting for me in the parking lot for 15 minutes. I said, what? So I brought him in, and he, started, he had it all sketched out. And I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I was like, all right, okay. I said, well, I got all the paint. You, did you get my special tips? Yeah, yeah. I did, it was hard to find those bad boys. And so, and, uh, and so man, he, he got to, whoosh, whoosh, took him five days. I go check on him. Ten minutes into him, I'm like, hey, they looking good. Oh, sorry, y'all ain't never huffed anything. Okay, so, 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 I mean, (laughs) my eyes are watering. He's like, look, look, I put jeans right here, man. Five days in. At the end of the five days, we sat there, man. It was, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. He sat there and I, and he said, let me ask you something. I said, yeah. He goes, you hate me, don't you? (laughs) No. Hate's such a strong word. It's such a strong word vehemently dislike you. Um, no, nah, I mean, I don't hate you, man. He goes, why you let me do this? His name was Corey. I said, Corey, I said, buddy, I just believe you've done a lot of damage in our ministry. You've hurt a lot of girls. I said, I just believe God's got a plan for you, though, man. He starts getting tears in his eyes. I said, I just, I don't know. You're so smart, dude. You're so stinking talented. And he's just like using your life in the wrong way. And why won't you come to Jesus? Why don't you give yourself to Him? By this time, He's got his head down. He goes, Man, I need to change. I said, yes, you do. <laughs> I am here, my son. Come, let us <laughs> minister to you. I prayed with that kid, He gave His life to Jesus. I'm telling you what was demonic and wicked and tragic. This kid turned around, became one of the best leaders I ever had. He was getting all these little thug kids saved, man. He's like, Look, y'all gotta listen. Lift your hands right now. We're worshiping y'all. Y'all lift your hands. Like, Trying to hold up their pants, you know? <laughs> it was awesome. In fact, when we moved here years later, he was an adult, you know, and, and he moved here about a year afterwards to come help us with the church, man. It was awesome. We, had, we were working with another church and helping with their young adult ministry and stuff like that. One, I'll never forget this one person did me dirty. He was like, Pastor Adam, I still got connections. I said, nah, bro, nah, nah, nah. Luke chapter 6, we got to love our enemy, which you used to be sucking. All right, so keep moving. So he tells us, do good. Number three, he tells us, Bless. Bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. I've seen some of you. You didn't know it. I was in the parking lot at Walmart. I heard you. I heard you. You, yeah. Well, you MF and two. I've heard you. <laughs> so we gotta learn this, man. And we bless those who curse you. Which means to speak life over them. Speak life to them. Speak life about them to others. It, 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 it's to, it's to it's to advance them with our words. It's to, it's, to, it's to take the heightened situation and bring it down. Years ago, when my daughter was about 12 or so, she was Mariah, my middle child, when she was, you know, kind of in that preteen age, I was trying to connect with her, you know, I had this good Christian rap CD, and, and so I would get her in the car, I was trying to connect with her, and we, we started singing it, and you know, going down the road kind of thing, and, and so in those days, she thought Dad was cool, and so and so this particular time, we were right over there uh, in, in the shopping center over by the trampoline park, and we were coming around whatever that little restaurant is right there, and, and we had to wind. Down we were pumping it up, yeah, geez up." And she's like, "Daddy, hit him man!" And we pumped it up. And we came up, and you know, were in the drive-through part, not the drive-through pickup food, but just you know the parking lot where you kind of all drive through, then there's the parking spots. And the car in front of me stops right in front of the little restaurant. And they stop. And so we're sitting there and we're waiting for them. We're waiting for somebody to get out and, you know, something like that. And we're just being People walking by. We're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus. And, uh, and she's like, Dad, you're the greatest, right? And so we're waiting, waiting, waiting. And 60 seconds is a long time. Then it turned to like two minutes, three minutes. The guy, nobody ever got out of the car. And finally, the cars are coming the opposite way. There was a little break. So I, I figured, well, let me go around them. As I go to go around them, I, I didn't realize this guy jumps out of the passenger. So we've been waiting four or five minutes or forever. And all of a sudden, this guy jumps out and he goes running around the front of their car. It's a middle aged older guy older white dude, and right as I'm coming up so I'm, and the headlights hit him it's just starting to get dark, and he looks at me he says something, but I got the music pumping so I'm like alright, and then he rocks around and, and then he, he turns and he says something else on the other side of my car I don't know what happened the pastor, Christian rap trying to show my daughter a good example I threw the. what did you say? and he yelled something back, I said, I know you're not talking to me and he yelled something back. I was like, I, I don't even know what happened. Only gangsters and rednecks will understand what I, just, what I went to do. All of a sudden, I went, reach up onto my seat. And he knew what that meant. And so as I started doing it, he went running on inside. I was like, yeah, yeah. And my little girl was going, Jesus. <laughs> Daddy, go get us killed. I would say I miss the bless those who curse you right there. I, I didn't get that one down too good. Moving on, the fourth thing that he tells us to do, he says "And pray for them. Pray for them when they mistreat you. Pray for them. Ah, that is a tough one. Pray for them. That's why it's a radical teaching. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when they cut you off in traffic, your first words aren't, Lord, I just bless them. I want to speak life over there. I I pray that their car will never break down. I just want to speak favor to their finances. You don't pray like that. You're like, you, Jesus, I love them. So pray for them. And again, you understand, when he tells us to bless them, that's to their face, that's to friends around them, that's to other people to speak. But when we, when he then tells us to pray, that's us engaging about them with God. This is do good when you, when you talk to other people about them, bless them, talk good about them, even though they don't deserve it. Use your words to build them up. When you go before the Lord, what you need to do is you need to pray for them, strengthen them through Jesus. Now you think, think about Romans, he's telling these guys who just who just who just treat them like like dirt. He's just talking about people who've been prejudiced with them. This is who he's telling them to deal with and how to deal with them. He says, "I know you've heard it said. I know this is how you've lived, but this ain't the right way. Now, if you're going to follow me, if you're mine, if you're a real Christian, if you're a real disciple of mine, then I need you to do this. I need you to obey my teaching in this. Guys, I'll tell you, there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians that this that teaching ain't nowhere in there." in their, uh, you know, portfolio. And I know for me at times even, it's been real difficult. Pray for them. Years ago, there was a ministry that Jamie and I was a part of and they really did do us do kind of dirty, really dirty. I'm trying to soften it and be sweet. And, uh, and I can remember, you know, driving past that place months later and I drove past them and I'm like, yeah, ah. and this teaching came back to me. Pray for those. Pray for those who mistreat you. I was like, I? God, I pray. I pray you would expose them. I pray the truth would come out. The Bible says you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let the leader of that thing be exposed. And he's like, I'm not listening to you. Literally, that's how God and I talk. He's like, I'm not listening to you. That's not the right attitude. That's not what I'm talking about. He started working on me. So I started praying. Lord, I pray you bless them. I pray you bless their ministry. Lord, I ask you to cover them. I ask you to strengthen them. Lord, they have a flesh just like I have a flesh. Their flesh has affected me. I'm sure my flesh has affected others. Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that you would do something miraculous. And I want you to know, I don't know if it helped them at all, but it helped me. Because here's the deal. This is all about you and I not becoming bitter. This is about you and I being able to live our life that no one has control over us, but Jesus Christ is our Lord. Not what someone did back 20 years ago. When are you going to stop talking about what they did 20 years ago? When are you gonna start referring back to the same enemy, you have the same enemy we got to hear about. It. And not only that, but when it ain't this enemy, it's a new enemy. Your last job, the boss was—he was a punk. He was a jerk. He didn't want—he didn't pay you right. Now, at you your new job, you've been there six months. Boss is a punk. everybody's out to get you. You always got these enemies. You always got these enemies, and the reason why is because it's become a pattern in you. And there's nothing but there's nothing but bitterness going down in your heart. We got to get that out, and the way we get that out, pray for them, bless them, do good to them. Love them. Change your heart. Change your nature towards them. Because no one should control your destiny. No one should control your heart. Though you be in prison, your heart is alive. Alive to Christ. The love of God abounding in our hearts so that you and I can live the life we're supposed to live. Jesus tells a story about that. He puts it in practical later in his teachings. He puts this, this teaching into a practical um, everyday life scenario. We call it the Good Samaritan story. For those of you that have never heard it, uh, in the book of Luke chapter ten, Jesus begins to tell a, a, a story. He, he has this story. He calls them—they call them parables. They're a story with a spiritual implication. So he's going to teach this truth about loving your enemies. And he tells it. He, he creates this scenario, this storyline. He said there was a Jewish man who was going back to uh, going out to do business, and as he was between cities, and he was on this kind of this road, uh, you know, kind of more excluded road, robbers jumped out, drug him off to the side, robbed him, and they didn't just rob him. They beat him. And they didn't just beat him, but they beat him to the point of death. When Manny was testifying at, at uh, Easter for us, he was talking about how his mom, they could have just, just robbed her. They didn't, have to, they didn't have to beat her and they didn't have to kill her. And when he said that, I just, in my heart, I felt that anguish. I was like, like, dude, there's no reason for them to have to escalate that. And that's exactly, it's the story of what Jesus is telling. He said, they beat, they beat this man so bad with the intention for him to die. So that, I, I don't know, maybe so they, he could never identify him. No idea why they did it. And then in Jesus' story, can you imagine now this man is a Jewish man. He's breathing his last breath. He's somewhere in between consciousness. What do you think his prayers sound like? What do you think he's praying for? I bet he's praying for something like this. Oh, God, send someone to help me. <laughs> someone can see me off in the ditch, kind of in the, in the grass where no one can see me on the, on, the, on, the, on the highway. Let somebody notice me. Oh, God, send a man of God who cares about people. And in Jesus' story, a priest comes by and notices him. And in Jesus' story, he says, he goes around on the other side, not wanting to deal with it. This guy probably prayed this priest into existence even. And can you imagine? And he passes by on the other side. This guy is supposed to be a priest. He's supposed to be the guy who helps people. And he didn't have time for it. Then in Jesus' story, a Levite comes by, a worship guy. He comes by. Surely he's got the intimacy with Jesus and and wants to do good and help other people. And when he sees him, again, both Jews go away from the Jewish guy who's dying. And then Jesus, in his story, says, and then a Samaritan comes by. And let's pick up right there in verse 33 of Luke chapter 10. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he did what? He took, say the word, pity on him. This is huge. Pow! Huge. Why is it huge? Because Samaritans and Jews hate each other. You want to talk about, you know, we have a little, you know, still a little tiffs with, with uh, cultural here in the United States with prejudiceness against different cultures. It doesn't compare to this. Let me explain to you who the Samaritans were versus the Jews. The Samaritans were Jews. And during the time of the separation of the 12, 12 tribes, 10 tribes, 2 tribes, the northern tribes basically get taken over. And those Jews married, intermarried with pagans. Not real Jews. The Old Testament taught us not to do that. So that's it. You're dead to us. You're dead to us. And over hundreds of years, these Samaritans formulated this place back where Israel and all had been as they came back. And they called it Samaria. In fact, they had their own temple to worship Jehovah God because the Jews said that, no, no, you can't worship in the real temple because you're not pure enough. So they said, yes, we are, we're God's people too. And there was this racial divide. In fact, it was so horrible in the time of Jesus that, that Literally, Jews would travel all the way around Samaria just to get to the other side. They would not go through it just because they hated him so bad. They were so prejudiced against each other. Talk about real prejudice. And Jesus says, hey, listen, Jewish guys, passed pastor, Jewish pastors, Jewish worship leaders went right on past that kid. But then comes a the Samaritan, knowing that he's hated by the man dying. You and I, the first thing we do is thought, good for you. Now you see. Now you see what it's like, don't you? Now you feel it. He said he took pity on him. Dr. King, in referencing this parable, said this, and I quote, I imagine that the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But by the very nature of his concern, the good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Dr. King had it right. If I don't stop to help them, I know he's been prejudiced against me. I know he's done wickedness to me and my people. I know that his kids hate me just because of my skin tone, just because of how I believe. The Bible says he took pity. This is Jesus' story. He took pity because Jesus is making the point, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who do evil against you, pray for them. He's making the point, if you're going to be mine then you got to be like me. Do you know what the book of Romans says? The book of Romans says that we were all enemies of God until we repented and came to Christ. But that God, who is rich in mercy and love, sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that we could go, listen, so that we all could be taken from enemy status and brought into love status. When the Bible says that God so loved the world, he doesn't just love you because you're somewhat good. He He loves the child molester. He loves everyone in God's eyes, has been taken from enemy status. The moment Jesus died on the cross, from enemy status, they have been taken to, he loves them. He sees them through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He loves them enough to die for them. So here's the question. If God can move them on the scale from hate, because you hated me, I hate you back. You were wicked to, uh, to my people, so I'm, wicked, uh, I'm back on you. If he can take them from that status to this status, why can't we as his followers? That's what he's asking us to do. He doesn't ask us to necessarily trust them, doesn't ask us necessarily to be their best friend. That person who molested you, you should not be their best friend. But he does ask us to love our enemies, to pray for those, to bless them, to do good to them in the the matter and the ability that we have. Friend, this is his teaching, not mine. I wouldn't do it that way. I'd fry them all. I'm telling you, if I was Jesus, the moment they started hitting me with that cat of nine tails, and that metal piece of strap was hitting into my, and they began to shred my back, I'd have been like, nope, nope, Zzz, I'd have fried them all. But that's why I'm not God. And that's why I need this teaching. You need this teaching. For you are my disciples if you obey my teachings. For you are my followers, as is paraphrased in the Passion Version. You're my followers if you continue to do what I've taught you. This, though it be a radical teaching, though it may even be a difficult teaching, this is who God is that we serve, and this is what he wants us to be as fellow servants of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me all across the room? I want to minister to you for just a couple of moments. I want you to do me a favor and close your eyes and bow your head, and that just gives you a place where you can concentrate. If you're new to us, I don't send little elves around to steal stuff off your seat, your purse, your iPhone. We just do that so you can have a, a private moment with the Lord. Concentrate. If you're as ADDDD as I am, I just, I have to close my eyes. And so, with your head bowed and your eye closed, I have a question for you today. Are you willing to make a commitment to your Savior to attempt to obey His teaching? to love your enemies I'm not saying you're always going to do it right I'm not saying I always do it right but I think that the Lord judges the heart as much as he judges the action and that for actions to change attitudes and hearts have to change I think here and now though it may be the most difficult thing you could ever grapple with I think if you can make a God decision in your heart to say Lord I will love them I will release them from the anger that I've held in my heart. I will move them from the red part of the scale to the green part of the scale, even if it's just by faith. Even if my emotions aren't ready for it. Even if my thoughts aren't ready for it. In my heart, I will move them to that place by faith. And I'm asking you, under your breath, right here where you stand, in front of your God, not me, not the preacher, not the pastor, in front of your God, would you take a moment and be willing to commit to move that? What face came up for you that you would have put in the red? What face would you have said, uh, yeah, I got somebody I don't like, all right, and I got good reason. I got somebody I actually hate. I wouldn't call them an enemy, Pastor. Oh, oh, now that you've explained an enemy, yeah, that's definitely who they are. And I'm asking you here and now just to make a commitment to the Lord that your heart is moving them from red to green, even if your brain isn't ready to do it, even if your emotions aren't ready to do it, that your heart would and now as you stand here having made that commitment or not made that commitment to the Lord, I would ask you which of these four pieces are you ready to start engaging with for some of you it may just, I'm willing to start praying for them, but I'm not willing to bless them yet, if somebody asks me about them pastor I'm telling you, I'm going straight up tell them I'm going to straight up tell them, that dude deserves to be dead don't go work for him I'm not ready for that one yet. Well, are you ready? Can you start with the Can you start with the fourth one? And can you start praying for them? Maybe, maybe you say, "Pastor, I, I, I'm willing to do all all four. I'm willing to love them. I'm willing to I'm willing to do good. I'm willing to bless them. I'm willing to pray for them." Friend, that's huge. Would you start that there in your heart right now and say, "Lord, I'm going to start here today." And I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to pray for this person, this individual, this scenario, this group of people, this ministry, this person, this that that club, whatever it was, would you just take a moment, take about 10 seconds just under your breath, say, Lord, I I pray for them. I pray you'd you'd help them. pray you'd help me love them. Father, I thank you. You're so gracious and so kind to us. Lord, none of us are perfect, but we serve the perfect Jesus. Jesus, this is your teaching, so I've done my best to help relay your heart. Lord, I pray that you would give them supernatural revelation. I pray that no one... That's a part of Church on the Hill will have bitter roots. That they no one to have control over their emotions, their attitude, and their heart because of what they did to them back in the day or even recently. Or that we would all be able to walk. Walk in love even for those who don't deserve it. If you keep your head bowed and your eye closed for just a moment, I want to give a call for anyone who say, Pastor, I got to be honest. I'm not a Christian. If I died today, I, I would go to heaven. Maybe you say, Pastor, when you talk about Jesus... Sounds like you're his best friend and he's, he's your best friend. That's true. That's, that's exactly accurate. And maybe so well, I know about church and stuff, but I don't know about Jesus being my best friend. I, I, I've never gone there. Well, friend, i got such good news for you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to cultivate that, grow in it. But it starts with a commitment to him, to commit that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. The Bible says it like this, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he will forgive you cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He won't hold your sins against you. In fact, He says He'll take your sins and throw them as far as the east is to the west. And how far is east to west? It never stops. Wherever you go, there's always an east. No matter how far you go, there's always a west. It's unending. Today, the Lord wants to cleanse you and make you whole. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. He wants to be your best friend. If you've been away from God, maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but I just, I don't know. Life happened. I feel separated. I feel divorced from Jesus, but I don't want to live like this anymore. I want Jesus in my life. I want to ask Him to forgive me, and I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to pray with you here and now. I'm not going to call you forward. I don't want. I don't need a notch on my belt. I don't need to. Hey, everybody, look what she did. This is a deep, private decision. This is this is this is about eternity. This is about the rest of your existence. And today, if you come to the conclusion that you're ready to serve God, you're ready to change. You're ready to let Jesus in, and you've got to be willing to open that door. The old preacher used to say, that doorknob's only on one side. It's on your side. You've got to turn it and let Jesus in. So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to serve God. I'm tired of living the way I've been living. I want Jesus in my life. I want to pray with you. No one's looking around. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. I need you to acknowledge that to yourself, to Jesus, and to me as the pastor. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer right there where you stand. I'm not going to call you for it. If that's you, you say, Pastor, it's me. Pray for me. Would you just lift your hand up quickly and quietly? Let me just see it. So thank you, sir. Thank you, yes, man. Thank you, sir. God bless you, guys. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks for your honesty. No one's looking. Me, you, in heaven. It's a deep, private decision. Thank you for being honest. Give about two more seconds. Anybody else? Pastor, it's time. I'm ready to change. I want Jesus in my life. Okay. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Was there anybody else? You didn't get your hand up, but you're ready. Okay. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is that God's... It's tugging at your heart and you're, re- and you're responding. You're opening the door. And I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of friendship, making Jesus your Lord and Savior. In fact, if you would mind, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside those of you who lifted your hand. Those of you, you listed, th- those of you that lifted your hand, I need you to mean this with all of your heart. Let's pray it like this. Say, Jesus, a little bit better, Jesus, today, I admit, I'm a sinner. And I've sinned against you, but I ask you now to forgive me. Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. Wash me clean. Put my name in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. And I declare here and now, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who prayed that prayer with all sincerity. I pray, Lord God, that they would feel and sense your love. Lord, that the elephant has been removed out of the room. They don't have to perform for you, don't have to give money to the church to be forgiven. You died on a cross so that we could be forgiven. And t- here and now they accept that forgiveness. And they're new. They're, they may not always feel new. They may feel like, you know, that their tendencies to sin again and that can something. That, that's gonna happen, but they're yours now. And when the lies in their mind say, oh, you didn't mean it, come, they'll be able to say, you know what? I did. And Jesus is my Lord. And when they fall down and fall back into some old sin they'll get up and say you know what I may not be perfect but I am forgiven I am a son I am a daughter of the living God and he will carry me through all the things that I've not been able to get through myself Jesus I thank you for your kindness and I bless you thank you that our church will be a church who loves our enemies who prays for those who come against us who bless those who curse us, who do good to those who've done terrible things towards us, and who love those who don't deserve to be loved. Thank you for your kindness. Bless your people in Jesus' name.